Hey everybody, it's Mike. Welcome or welcome back to the Revision Church Podcast. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download the Revision app, which is actually the best way to get access to new content and share it with friends. You can get the app by texting Revision App to 77977. Thanks for listening today. My hope is that this message will be helpful for you and would inspire you to take the next step on your faith journey. You can really feel God moving this morning or something. I think we can still turn my mic down a little bit. It feels hot. feels super hot. All right. Hey, everybody. How's it going? My name's Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here at Revision. Excited to be here. How about you? Glad to hear it. Thanks for coming on 4th of July weekend. I want to start off. I got a question. Anybody in here a runner? Anybody run? A couple hands. Not a ton. Feeling good about that. It's good. I'm mostly, I'm just curious. I, I like to have a good feel for how many... Just psychos are in the room when I'm talking. No, I'm just kidding. It's good for you. I'm glad you love running and enjoy it. Uh, I'm, actually, I'm a fan of endurance things. I like to bike and different exercises like that. I'm just not a runner. And it's funny, I've, I've had plenty of people tell me, you know, like, Jeff, like, look at you. You're so tall, you're lanky, you've got a body, it's built to run. I'm like, well, ouch, that's kind of a weird way of telling me that I've got an abnormal body, thanks for that. Um... But people do. They, they really tell me that. They'll come up and just like, I think you'd be a great runner. Like, have you ever thought about doing a marathon? No. Like, <laughs> sounds awful. Because I've, I've tried running before, and, and I'm fine with short distances, sprints. It's kind of fun. There's a student at Revive every single week. Like, all right, Jeff, you ready to race? Can we, can we race? And we'll sprint across, and I have to admit it does make me feel good every week, a little boost of confidence that I need to know that I'm still faster than middle schoolers, but it's not a distance run. I, I, can, I can handle the short sprints. And again, I've tried, tried running uh, in college. I lived in a house with six other guys, and so usually there's always something going on, something for me to do. Uh, but this particular night, uh, I was home alone, and I was bored, and so I had the brilliant idea, like, why don't I try and go out for a run? And uh, I don't know, it's a weird idea, but I guess I just want to see what all the hype was about. I had a lot of friends who loved running, a lot of people enjoy it. Uh, I just wanted to see what was in it for me, potentially. And so for dinner, I tried to like prep, I get in a mindset, but also physically, I wanted to prep. And so for dinner, I tried to eat something a little healthier. I think I had fajitas, um, just notorious superfood. It was super healthy. I, it's got vegetables in it, so that made me feel pretty good. And I also wanted to make sure I was hydrated. You want to be hydrated when you run, and so I drank a giant glass of cherry Kool-Aid, which I believe, is that, that's what they give the Olympic runners right before there? Okay, no, they don't. But waited a little while, just let it settle in my stomach. I didn't want to run, obviously, with that just sloshing around. So I waited a little while, and then just started to run around campus. Like I had no plan. I didn't really know how far I was going to go. Uh, I, as Forrest Gump famously said, I, I just started running. Except unlike Forrest Gump, I did not make it across the country. Uh, as you can see here, i got a map. So this green dot here, this is where I started. And that's the house I lived in. So we just cross the street, head over to campus, and start to loop around a bit and get around and come back to that red dot right there, which might as well just be a satellite image of what happened because the fajitas and the Kool-Aid, they were not sitting too well. I did not wait long enough for it to settle. And so I just threw it all up right there in the parking lot. Still, you can see right there, mile and a half. That was too much for poor old Jeff. And that's, that's running. Um, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan. I, I walked back to the house. I actually felt a lot better. The stomach cramps were gone. 
um, and I had a great rest of my night not running. And yeah, I guess just for my first run ever, I bit off a little more than I could chew, which is ironic because then it led to me unfortunately kind of re-chewing what I had bit. Which, I'm sorry, that was gross, but it was too clever not to leave in, so you guys had to hear it. But I guess what I'm trying to say is just I'm not a good runner. Never, I don't want to run ever, really, if I don't have to. And this morning we're kicking off a new series. It's called Ordinary Heroes, and we're kind of looking at different heroes throughout Scripture. And this morning I wanted to talk about someone who's also really bad at running, and that's Jonah. And Jonah, he's a little interesting of a person to talk about because I'm not sure I'd chalk him up as some like big time Bible hero. Like I'm not sure I want my future kids someday to grow up and be just like Jonah. He's not necessarily a big hero, but he certainly is ordinary. I feel like there's a whole lot of overlap between how Jonah reacts to God and how you and me react to God. Like we're not so different. For instance, have you ever just wanted to get away Have you ever wanted to get out of your current circumstances and just run as far away as possible because it's about to or it already is a very uncomfortable situation? Have you ever just needed an escape or ever felt intimidated by something that you felt like God was calling you to do? Have you ever been overwhelmed or worried or uncertain about the future? Maybe have you ever felt like you're not quite sure if God is going to actually show up like he said he would? Now, if your answer is no to all of those questions, I would absolutely love to switch places with you and hear just about the miracle of your life. But my guess is that for most of us, for, for all of us probably, to some degree, we felt that before. Like that desire to escape and to run or avoid or do whatever we can to try to fix a situation that we're facing. And I want us to know this morning that the story of Jonah, it's our story. We all have a Jonah story where we've run from God, whether it's in a big way or a small way. This is, this is real for every single one of us. And so what is your Jonah story? It's, it's probably not that hard to think of like a time in your life where you took matters into your own hands or a time that you thought you knew better than God or thought that your plans would be just as good at the very least. Or let's be real, maybe you weren't even thinking about God and you're just thinking about how you're going to fix or get past this situation. Like, I don't, I don't have time, I'm not... Thing. It's not on my radar. I just I have real problems on my hands. I, th- I think it's pretty interesting too. Like in those moments, how oftentimes, if we were to just take a second, if we were to pause and pray and ask God for help, most of the times we know what God wants us to do, right? The problem isn't that God isn't being clear. It's that we're holding on to control just a little bit too tight. Like a lot of times we know what we're supposed to do, but we find a million reasons to avoid it. We become selfish and we choose to spend our time doing our own thing and and end up kind of self-medicating ourselves to death. I'm sure we can all think of a time, I know I can, where we have abandoned God for our own plans because we know best. Or this time it'll work. Or maybe even just like, I don't even care anymore, so what's the point? See, the the unfortunate reality of living in a broken world is that at some point or another, we're going to come face to face with brokenness. The big question is, like, what are we supposed to do when that happens? Now, the, the good news is we aren't the first people to deal with this either. The Bible, it's filled with stories of people trying to run from God. And today, Jonah, he's going to help us out. Like, he's going to be an example for us today of some good to-dos and a whole bunch of not-to-dos. And so if you want to open up your Bibles to the book of Jonah, uh, it's a, around halfway through your Bibles. If you find Psalms, just go a little bit further. If you uh, hit Matthew or the New Testament, you can go back just a little bit. I'll meet you there in a minute. But if you don't have a Bible with you, the words will be on a screen. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love for you to take one just outside those 
those doors at the Next Steps table. We love it when people take them and use them. But the story of Jonah begins like this. God, he is tired of the city of Nineveh's sin, and he wants to send Jonah to preach to this uh, city and to these people so that they would turn from their sin. But Jonah, he's afraid to do that. He's absolutely terrified, and rightfully so. Like, it's a scary place. You see, these people, they were world famous for their ability to torture people. They, they would skin people alive and do their best to keep them alive the longest afterwards. Like they, they were ruthless, horrible people, and they were very good at what they did, but there were some pretty bad people doing some pretty dark stuff. And so Jonah, he's terrified. Like He doesn't want to go and put myself in his shoes. I don't want to go either. Like that's a scary thing. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't love them and want them to turn from their sin and turn towards him. But Jonah, he tells God, like, uh, no, no, thank you. I'd rather not. But God says, like, you know, this should come from you. This is my plan. And Jonah's like, well, maybe it should come from a note tomorrow. And just send it. I don't even have to go. You can have some other guy bring that scroll. But Jonah, he really doesn't want to go. And, and here's how it actually went down. In Jonah 1.1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So in this moment, like God tells him what to do, clearly. Like there was no like, oh, maybe, is that, is that what God wants for me to do? Is that where I should go? Like God says, do this. And Jonah says, you know what? I must have left my phone in the car and it's got my GPS on it. I don't want to get lost on the way. End up kind of circling all around and like, what's that over there? And he just takes off in the exact opposite direction. You can hear his sandals screech as he turns the corner. And right then, like Jonah decides he's going to run as far away as he can from God. He's too overwhelmed. He's too anxious. It's just too much. And so he's going to avoid it. Anyone ever tried to avoid doing the right thing because you know it's going to be hard? Except he doesn't just avoid it. Jonah goes hard. Uh, at this time, Tarshish, uh, it was the absolute farthest place that you could go away from where Jonah was. You can see it here, like Joppa, it's about where Jonah started, and God is calling him to go up and over to Nineveh. But instead, Jonah gets on a boat and heads straight towards Tarshish, like the end of the commercial trading routes. That's as far as a boat could take him away. It's like if God called you to go up to Madison, Wisconsin, like we need you to preach to these people. They, it's the weird people. They call water, drinking fountains bubblers and they call ATMs time machines. Like you just need to go and fix them. But instead you go all the way to Los Angeles. And you're like, nope, I'm going the exact opposite direction. Like it's just interesting how Jonah says no. He doesn't just say no and go about his normal life, ignoring God. Like, no, I just think I'm kind of like agnostic now. I'm just not really in the whole following God mood. And he says, no, actually, I'm just going to go the opposite way. Have you ever done anything like that? Like God says something like, I, I'm just not sure. I don't want, I'm not sure I want you to be involved in that. This isn't the best that I have for you. And you say, ah, shoot, because that's actually kind of my plan and it's what I had planned. And so that's exactly what I'm going to be involved in. And so, I don't know, you'll make it work, right? Like you make all things work together and you'll like, you just make my plan work, right? Like, it seems like it's more on you, God. I'll, I'll pray later. I'll ask for forgiveness or something, but you can take care of it. I think we all have a story where we chose to do exactly what we wanted to do, opposed from what God wants. And we, we just end up running to the strangest places, like two broken relationships away from healthy ones, 
away from our goals into sin, like abusing alcohol, pornography, retail therapy, Netflix therapy, political therapy, just hoping that we'll find peace somewhere in the self-medication. Like there's an endless list of things that we run to. We, just run, we run to the strangest places. And this is crazy too. Like when you, when you sit down and you actually pause and you think about it, when we run from God, we are running from our source of wisdom and truth. Have you ever, ever looked back at a time in your life and just thought like, goodness gracious, what in the world was I thinking? How could I be so stupid? Like, how, how, how could I not see it? I remember early on in college, I was, I was in a relationship with this girl, and I met her during orientation. We went to a Christian school. We, we dated for a little over a year, and, and everything was great. Or, or so I thought. Because it, it was actually an incredibly unhealthy relationship. Like we, we weren't chasing after Jesus. We only cared about ourselves. It was so inward focused. It was a season where I pushed the people away that were closest to me. I just pushed them further away. I was making poor choices. I was okay with being treated pretty poorly by her. And I justified a lot of things away to make it okay in my head. And I was able to kind of convince myself that we were a good fit. And it was a good thing that we were together. But then we broke up. And it was absolutely devastating, like tears flowing, just absolutely ugly crying. There's like the best thing that ever happened to me is gone. And like, it was a sad day because you realize like all the plans that we had made together were gone. All of the, the justifications that I made along the way were gone. And I realized like I have a lot of repenting to do, but, but here's what I'll never forget. Every single person that I talked to afterwards, they came up to me, they encouraged me and they said things like, you know, this was for the better because they, they could see how unhealthy it was from the outside. They saw what the relationship did to me, like how we treated each other and how they could tell just as clear as day that there was no life in it, no fruit coming out of it. It was empty and unhealthy. And all I could think every time I'd hear that, I was like, guys, why? this would have been great to know a little earlier. Like, why couldn't you have told me that before, right now? Like, why did you wait until afterwards to tell me this very vital information? And usually, about 10 times out of 10, their response to that was, uh, I did. (laughs) Your dumb self just wouldn't listen. And right there, like, conversation after conversation finally started to click. Like, even if someone, I think, were to grab me by the face and just start shaking me, like, Jeff, this is not a healthy relationship. You need to break up with this person. I'm not sure I would have heard it. In fact, I'm sure there were times like, I mean, maybe no one shook me, but I'm sure there were plenty of conversations that just went right over my head that I ignored because I didn't want that to be true. Because I was so focused on myself, I was so focused on this relationship that I was running away from my source of wisdom and the truth in Jesus. And it's just crazy how often that happens. Like how, how often we can be blinded to reality in our pursuit of self-gratification. And if you're in a situation like that right now, maybe a relationship, an addiction, or you found yourself in a really hard place, like, please let this be a moment of clarity for you. Like, take off your blinders. Let the people who are closest to you, who care about you, speak truth into your life and point you back towards the ultimate source of wisdom and truth in Jesus. Now, back to the story. And so Jonah, he, he decides to just run to Tarshish. His blinders are on. He gets on the boat. And in verse 4, it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And notice those words at the beginning. They're, they're important. It says, Then the Lord sent. 
right away, the, the Bible reminds us that God is present. God is always with Jonah. He never left. You see, you can, you can run from God, but you can't outrun him. God never left Jonah's side. In the next verse, it says, All the sailors, they were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. So now we've got all of these experienced sailors who are freaking out at these storms. Like, they're terrified. There's chaos all around them, and then there's Jonah. Why don't you want to take in the water? I'm taking a nap. You want to take a nap? I'm taking a nap here. Okay, take a nap right there then. Good night. Good night. Good night. I got all of this chaos surrounding him, and Jonah's like, hey, you guys got this? You good? Perfect. I'm just going to head below deck for a quick snooze, you know, fall into a deep sleep, and all of this is going on. Just, just let me know when this thing passes. And then the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. The captain, he comes to Jonah, and you know, like we can read ahead and see this, but to be on his ship, he kind of already knows some of Jonah's story. He knows why he's there, what he's doing. And so to, the captain comes up to him and he's like, he, he just knows, like, you did this. He's like, hey, wake up. We're dying up here. Like, can you do something? Pretend to care for just a second. Like, pray, do something so that maybe we'll survive. And eventually, in all the chaos, they cast lots and they decide that Jonah, he's got to go. And Jonah, at this point, he's just sick of it all. He says, you know, just kill me now. Throw me overboard. What is the difference? But the sailors, the crew, they weren't that morbid, and so they tried to row back to shore, but the storm was just too powerful. And so in verse 14, it says, then they cried out to the Lord, like, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you please. Like, this is this on you, God. We're just doing what you're saying right now. Do not put his life on us. This is not our responsibility. And so then they took Jonah, and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And now you'd think things probably got a little bit awkward in this moment. Like the waves start to calm down just a bit and you got Jonah just kind of floating out there, kicking his feet a little bit. Like, hey guys, crazy day, right? The sailor's like, do we, dang it, do we have to go back and do we get him now? They're just wondering like, dude, can't just leave him floating there. And then in verse 17, it says, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Just boom, their sailors are like, nope. And they head in the other direction. And that's the last we hear from them. And that's the end of chapter one. And I love how uh, chapter two begins. It says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Like Jonah gets eaten alive and the scripture states the obvious. Jonah prayed to the Lord. And all I can, all I can think is like, yeah, I bet he did. <laughs> I don't know about you. That seems like a pretty good time to be praying if there ever was one. Uh, but really like what's going on here, Jonah, he, he's hit his rock bottom. He's reached the point that I'm sure we've all been at before to some degree where we've tried everything that we can think of to fix or overcome an issue, but nothing seems to work quite right. And we're at the end of our rope. And so just this one last ditch effort, we cry out to God. Anybody else or do something like that? Maybe it's just me and Jonah. Again, I think we know better. We're all smart people and we know that it's better to start with prayer than it is to leave it for the last resort. And yet, how many, uh, how many of us have found ourselves in this place? Here's, a, here's what Jonah said when he found himself there. He says, In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. 
From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. He's saying like, God, I'm, I'm at my rock bottom. I am at the end of my rope. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols run away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And in this moment, Jonah, he's finally able to see himself as we see him. Like it's easy when you're on the outside of a situation to point your finger and say, like, just stop. Like, what, what are you doing, you fool? Like, you, you know that's not going to work. You know that's less than what God has for you. You're making a bad decision. Like, it's easy from the outside, right? And so as Jonah sits in the belly of this fish and he prays to God, he can finally see himself. Like, he prays, he repents, and in verse 9 he says, salvation comes from the Lord. And I'm sure God was thinking something along the lines of like, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm glad we're starting to see eye to eye here. This is actually exactly kind of what I want you to go to Nineveh and teach them about. Like, it's really cool right here. In the Old Testament, we get such a clear picture of the grace of God. Like long before the New Testament, we, see, we can see how God is working towards the life and ministry of Jesus. And to think like we serve the same powerful, loving, and gracious God who reaches out to us so that we can begin to see ourselves as he sees us too. At the end of chapter 2, God commands the fish to spit up Jonah onto dry land. And then in chapter 3, Jonah goes to Nineveh. God says again in verse 2, uh, just like he did in the first chapter, he says, go to Nineveh and give the message I give you. And except this time in chapter 3, Jonah says, all right, I'll give it a shot. And guess what? God was right. Just shocking, I know, but it worked. It's, again, it's just funny. When you look at the story, like Jonah, he never had a big theological argument with God before he betrayed him. Like, he didn't justify it away or come up with a bunch of reasons to back up his actions. He knew what God was saying, and he just said no and ran away. For us, again, we oftentimes know what God is saying. Maybe we've heard it in a sermon before as we're reading our Bible, or maybe just in different advice that we've heard from counselors or friends or mentors. But we, honestly, I think if we boil it down, I think we run because we're selfish, I mean, I think it's really as straightforward as that. And I know as 21st century Americans, we don't like to hear critiques about ourselves, but I don't know any other way to say it. Like, we're selfish sometimes. Can you turn to the person next to you and just give them a good hard look dead in the eye and tell them, hey, you're selfish sometimes. I'll wait as long as it takes. Like, you just take your time. I know you feel it. Just give the message. You're selfish sometimes. And I'm not saying all the time. I don't want to be up here staying, like pointing the finger like, oh, you're all terrible people. I, I really, I just want to avoid the church thing where we like come and we sit and we listen to the pastor talk and then we do the thing where we think the pastor's talking about the other people in the room instead of talking to me. Like, man, I sure hope Bill is hearing this. Or maybe the much more accurate, like, oh God, please let my spouse be hearing this message today. <laughs> It's okay. This is church. It's a safe place. Let's all just be real and honest for a moment this morning and admit we can be selfish, me included. 
We, we all have a Jonah story. Not every day. It's, it's not always this dramatic, but we all have moments, fair? Moments where if we sit down and think about it, we know what God wants, that we just simply don't want to do that. And I can't help but wonder, like, how much that has to hurt God. Like, for us to have access to the creator of the universe who pursues us and that loves us and offers us hope and peace and salvation, and for us to know all of that and still put a hand up and saying, like, yeah, I'm good, though. I'm just going to kind of do my own thing. Like, I've got it, and I've got it figured out. As a youth pastor, I know a bunch of parents in the room love it when their kids do that to them, Right? Kids, they don't always necessarily, that you have their best interest in mind, and yet they say no anyway. We do the same thing. But what makes the gospel so unique is, I, th- I think this, this makes the gospel so unique. Like, because God is right there to extend grace and mercy just over and over again. There's no such thing as being unlovable to God. Your sin holds no power because of Jesus. Like whatever your situation, it may seem like a lot. It may seem unconquerable, but that's because you've been trying to do all of the heavy lifting on your own and you, you weren't made to do that. Give the weight to Jesus. Roll your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. Psalm 55, 22. Let me say it again. You can run from God, but you can't outrun him. Like eventually, I think there's a, a day of reckoning. Like God chases us down. And let me tell you, I want to share, there's this quote that I heard at a youth camp in college uh, by Greg Speck, and I love it. It's so true. It doesn't matter how many steps you take away from God. It only takes one to get back. And I want so badly for you. Like if you're in a Jonah situation right now or you find yourself in one someday, to, to take that step and cry out to God because there is so much more waiting for you on the other end of that step than there is if you keep running if you keep taking step towards your unhealthy situation. And let me just illustrate it for you this way. I want to help paint a picture for us and help us all understand this. Because like, if you've ever reached rock bottom, or if you've ever reached the end of your rope, you've ever felt that before, you've ever seen someone, maybe a family member or a friend, be in that spot, like you're in the belly of the whale at the end of your rope and you have nowhere else to go, like, how often do you cry out to that person or that thing that you pursued? for the habit or the occupation or the lifestyle. Like, oh, porn, like, save me from this depression. Alcohol, like, ah, just help me walk on the right path. Money, could you please just give me the peace that I so desperately need? You see, when we hit those moments, that moment of reckoning, there's so much more waiting for us on the other side of that step towards God than there is by taking another drink, sending another text, watching another video, buying another thing, turning on the news, taking another pill, like whatever it is, these things just don't hold up. Like it's a powerful life moment when we're finally able to release the things that we've been clinging to so tight in order to take steps closer to God with a willingness to serve. And just let, let me just ask you, let's take a little self-assessment this morning. Are you running from God in an area of your life? And I'm not only talking about like big, huge, like, oh yeah, Jeff, you know, now that you mention it, I guess I did forget to preach to that nation on Tuesday. Like the day just got away from me. I hate when that happens. Like I'm talking about the little things too. Because the the statistics don't lie. Statistics show post-COVID, self-medication is through the roof. Divorce rates are up, infidelity up, alcohol consumption up, porn use up, drug use up, suicide rates up, personal debt up. 
There's no shortage of self-medication. I'd be a fool to stand up here and think I'm talking to a room full of people who have everything always figured out. That's not realistic. So I, I want to ask, like, are you avoiding bringing something before God, hoping that maybe he'll just forget it? Maybe hoping that it just goes away on its own? Or because, maybe because you're just too scared to actually have to face that uncertainty or that discomfort? Are you justifying an ungodly relationship or a poor decision? Are you pushing blame towards others and away from yourself? Are you looking for support of your actions or your decisions from other people instead of from God and the Scripture? Do you use grace as an excuse for sin? Maybe are you redefining your faith altogether in hopes of justifying your path? Is it worth it? Like, really think about it for a second. Like, are you headed towards freedom? Or are you kind of slipping? Are you falling and taking steps towards bondage? Do you know, it's, it's not always easy. It's not always fun. Uh, but I think reading Jonah, it's kind of like looking in a mirror sometimes. We've all been in this place to some degree. Like, the, the world's broken. Like, we all have a running away from God story. But that also means that we have or we can have a running back to God story. And like what a story it is to be able to encourage someone who's been through the same thing or a way to show others that God is still active and at work in this world today. Like can you remember the delight and comfort you had when you ran back to God? Like when you finally saw where he was taking you and how he wanted to use you? Like there's so much joy in that. Earlier this week, I was listening to a message by a British pastor named Pete Gregg, and he was telling a story about how he was a young 17-year-old believer who was just eager to hear from the Spirit. Like, he, he had turned the corner, and he was just running after God full force. He wanted to know Him so badly, and he had heard from people, um, other people who would pray, and they'd get this prophetic image, like pictures in their mind, and, and he wanted to be in tune with the Spirit. Like, he wanted, to, uh, he wanted a real relationship with the Spirit so that he could use his gifts to impact the world around him, and so he prayed. And he prayed and he asked God for an image. And after a while, a picture of a logo of a local diner popped into his head. And that was it. He, he didn't know what it meant, but he knew the diner. So he got in his car and he started driving and he, he's so excited. Like he walks into this diner feeling like an Avenger, just ready to save the day. Like he didn't know if he was going to show up and the building would be on fire or if like what was going to happen. But he walks in and looks around and it's just a normal day at the diner. Just kind of looking, the waitress looks at him for a while and just... Table for one, sir? I guess so. And so he goes and he, and he sits down at his table and like 15 minutes go by, I'm sure he looked like an absolute psycho and just paranoid looking around like he doesn't know if the cooks are going to come out running shirt on fire like Mike and his shirt from a few days ago or a few weeks ago or maybe the waitress would just break down in front of him and he'd be able to lead her to Christ and pray with her and he, he was waiting for this moment to happen but nothing was really happening. And so he said, like uh, every good British person, he sat there and he ordered a cup of tea and just sat and he waited and he sat and he waited and he sat and he waited and nothing happened. Absolutely nothing. So he got up and he left. And he has to wonder in that moment, even hearing that story, he kind of wondered, like, okay, well, what the heck was that? picture for God. Like, what are you doing? Where were you? 
But instead of, of chalking it up as a failure, he talked about, and I, I love this, this isn't necessarily a theology lesson, but I love this picture that he paints after this because he's like, I like to picture God in heaven during that situation. Like the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Father's looking down with Jesus and they're kind of seeing the situation and the Father goes, like, what's going on there? And Jesus is like, I, I have no idea, but I think, it, I think it's the Holy Spirit's fault. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit's just kind of giggling in the corner like, okay, don't, don't be mad. All right? This kid, he was praying. I'd give him, give him an image, and so I did. And he was pulling on his head, and he went there. And God's like, wait, he just, not f- for no reason, he just sent him there, and he, and he went. <laughs> no reason at all. He just went. So you just gave him a picture, and he just went because he saw it. <laughs> yeah. That's all I had to do. And the father, he just looks down, and he goes, I like that kid. I, I can work with that. Let's see what we can do with him. And hearing that illustration, like, I couldn't help but wonder, like, man, how many times, like, how often do we let our lack of willingness get in the way of what God wants to do in and through us? Like, how often in our lives are we holding so tight to our own ideologies and plans that we miss out on an opportunity to be used by God? Why do we cling so tightly to control? I was trying to think this week, like, as I'm teaching this, like Jonah running away from God, what's the opposite of that? So you can kind of talk about it and call us all to that. And so what's the opposite of running away from God? And by definition, I think the word repentance comes to mind, like taking your sin and it's literally just turning away from it and running towards God. But I was thinking like beyond that, like how do we take steps beyond that and take it a step further? And I think beyond that, it's a willingness to serve, a willingness to serve God. So I think God delights in our willingness to use the gifts and abilities that he's given us to make a difference in the lives of the people around us. Like that's something that I talk about with our youth group all the time. Like how crazy is it that every single person in this room was not only made and designed by God, but given unique gifts and abilities and interests and personality and put in a unique place in a situation where we are able to use those things to help point people towards Jesus. Like how crazy is that? That is so cool and unique to Christianity. I think it's our willingness that makes the difference. God can do the rest. Like, what would happen if we were to live into our created, creative purpose? Like, whose lives could we touch? Who could we impact? What if we shifted our priorities and, and had more of a willingness to serve others instead of just a willingness to serve ourselves? Like, if that's something that sounds intriguing to you today, like, let us know on your connection card. Just check a box or, or write somewhere on it, like, I'm in. Because, like, we have so many different ways as a church for you to get connected and, like, take steps towards serving or connecting, whether it's with others, connecting with Jesus. Like, take that first step. Just let us know. Because think about what could happen. Like, what if we had a willingness to live out the picture of this crazy upside-down kingdom that Jesus came to model for us? Like, how many lives could be changed, including your own? Like, why not give it a shot and see what God can do? Like, that, that's my challenge for us this week, is that when we go out into the world, that we would just loosen our grip of control and instead just sit before the throne of God with hands open and a heart that's willing to serve because God, he can work with that. So let's see what he can do with you. Will you guys pray with me? God, I don't know, just thank you so much for being an act of God. Like a God who is with us, who doesn't leave us to figure it all out on our own, who, who guides us and, and shows us grace and love continuously when we, sh- when we screw up time and time again. Like God, thank you for that. Help us to just recognize the gift of that. 
I just pray as we go out, we would loosen our grip of control, that whatever chains are over us, that you would break us free from those and that we would turn back towards you. And unlike Jonah, we wouldn't run, but we would stand with open arms, open hands, and a willingness to serve. Like help set that fire in us today, God. Just move in this room today, move in our lives and help us to take steps towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.